Welcome today to Hodlers episode 13. I'm joined today with NFT Dad as normal, our co-host, and we've got Cade Bergman today. Um, Cade does a lot of stuff. He's been in the space for a while. He's a content creator, YouTuber. He does TikTok. He's a podcast host. He does everything. You've interviewed a whole lot of founders, whole lot of projects. Uh, you have a series on YouTube where you do your brutally honest reviews, which is really cool. You've had a lot of projects on there. Um, you've also got Joyage Kingdom, which we'll go into. That's your personal uh, personal brand about the yo repping it, of course, yeah, about uh, self development and like improving your life and stuff like that. And yeah, so today we're going to talk about his journey, what he thinks of the space, where he's going, the future of you, where you want to go. And yeah, we'll get straight into it. So who is Cade Bergman? What do you do? <laughs> thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the intro. And I appreciate you of guys course. letting me on the show. So yeah, uh, man, what am I about? Uh, <laughs> Big question. Yeah, been making, yeah videos for, for a long time. I guess I would, uh, I would probably identify myself as someone who just kind of like gets a, a goal in their head or some kind of something in their head and then just cannot stop until I have completely squeezed every drop of everything out of whatever that is. And so like for a long time, it was soccer. So I know you, you track back my YouTube a little yeah, bit. So I've been making yeah. videos for like at least 10 or 12 years now. There's, so there's, there's a second channel. I don't know if you saw it, uh, just my name and uh, doesn't have a second end on the end. And it's a older channel where I have even more soccer oh, videos I didn't on see there. That. So We're I think, gonna have to do some digging. Yeah, I think it's like 2009 <laughs> or something like that. So been trying a long time. Didn't realize what it was until probably like halfway through that. Um, but at that point, you know, YouTube was saturated. I didn't really understand the business model. Mm-hmm. Business never came normal or it didn't come naturally to me. So the fact that I have a business, it took me eight months before I accepted that it was a business. The first eight yeah. months, I just was like, oh, it's just this thing I do to make like a little bit of money. And then I was like, wait, I, this, I like built out a whole business by accident. I had all these things going. That's um, and then very recently I started reading like th- books like this. Been changing everything. Oh, I saw that on your Twitter. I yeah, stuff. I saw oh, it. My God. You've been talking about that oh, a lot. God. I need it's to been, get it. <laughs> it's been nuts. But yeah, no, I, I get obsessed with things. And so I, I just pile forward, you know, it was soccer first, then it was, it was fitness and, and then it was podcasting and traveling and vlogs and stuff like that. And then I found NFTs. Start trading, got into it like everybody else did, and um, quickly realized that trading is a, a whole thing on its own, and you have to like dedicate time. You can't just like kind of trade here and there. You're yeah, probably yeah, gonna get yeah, fucked yeah. if you do that. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to do YouTube. YouTube's the thing I really want to do. Trading is kind of like it's fun, but I don't need to be trading. It doesn't have to be my main thing. And there's other ways I can kind of participate and actually give back to the space that yep. isn't just me like shitposting on Twitter and doing stupid stuff. Maybe I can help. Because they're making review videos. Didn't really have like an ideal. A plan or layout or roadmap of where I wanted to go. I just started making any kind of NFT video that I thought could be popping, could be uh, something different than the top five NFT projects to buy. That's all I was seeing on Twitter or Twitter and YouTube. And I was kind of bored of it. And I was like, man, this is lame. Like none of these videos are helpful to anybody. It's just like people being shilled to do things and pretending like they're not. (laughs) It's so silly. (laughs) So I started doing reviews, podcasts, and um, yeah, just literally built it up the resume from there. So you've just been going with the flow the entire time. I think that's the best thing to yeah. do. Obviously, you need like a, a loose vision of where mm-hmm. your end goal needs to be. But then yes. just, you know, like in the space, there's new things every week. Like you've got one hype, then another meta, then there's a new thing releasing, a new thing, then there's like crazy news coming out and the space dies and then it comes yeah. back again. There's constant things. And with Web3, that's sort of like one of the main benefits we've got with Web3. Like there's so many opportunities, like being in the space, being a content creator like yourself, having your own like brand, your project, you can do so much, so much stuff. 
and yeah, I really respect the the work hustle. Like you've been doing so so much. I've tried YouTube. Um, I do the live streams on YouTube, of course. But every single week, I sit down like right time to start YouTube. Time to start recording some videos. Get some videos out. I get to it. I'm like, this is so much work. Like, yeah. So much work compared to like a TikTok. Like whip your phone out, record a quick TikTok, music, edit, done. YouTube video is hard work so i really respect the hustle and the podcast as well like it's not easy just you're a really really good speaker and like i used to be a terrible speaker um but like forcing yourself into these situations helps so much well um, it it helps and also it's like a business thing like the more content i put out there the more clients i get the more partnership opportunities i get the more everything comes just with content once i adopted that gary v belief of just funneling everything and posting as much content as you can I just subscribe to that belief and every opportunity that's come for me has been because of another piece of content. Every client that's ever come to me has been like, Hey, I saw a video on your YouTube or someone sent me a video and they literally have all just come from random videos I've posted. And I'm like, okay. And from randomly, like I remember I posted like six videos on a Pinterest cause I thought I could maybe take that app over. And then I was like, I don't really, I don't really want to understand this. So stop. <laughs> but someone came to me and like, Hey, I saw a random video you posted on Pinterest. And I was like, Oh no way. What? That's cool. Are you that is so, me? Cool. so yeah, that's, that's what kind of gets me through. Cause I'm like every single bit of content is a chance and opportunity for something crazy to happen. And I've had, I've had yeah. that crazy meetings just from stupid videos being posted. So. Yeah, I see you're heavy on the, um, like I always see like the daily update to post yeah. <laughs> on YouTube shorts and stuff like that. But yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, YouTube shorts are just doing the monetizable stuff as well now, I'm pretty sure. But January I, it starts, yep. Yeah, I read into it. I'm, I don't know if this is true, but it, you've got to have 10 million views within 90 days um, on shorts Ooh. to be holy monetizable. Holy. So it's separate to right. having a normal account with like 4,000 watch hours. Um, so even wow. if you're eligible for that, you're not eligible for the YouTube shorts payout. Um, I don't know if that's true. I'm pretty sure I read that on a, the official website, but if it is, then sucks to be us, I guess, because we yeah. get 10 million views. Um, <laughs> that is a lot. But yeah, going into you and your journey. Um, first of all, I want to say you did the traveling thing, right? Didn't you, was it a van? You hide out of a van or you had your own van and you traveled? It was basically a van life, but it was a, it was a um, yeah, so cool. tiny little hybrid car instead because I didn't want to oh, buy really? a van. In case I didn't like it. I was like, I'm going to live in this thing for a few months. I think I'm going to go for like a year, but I don't know. And so I just didn't. I mean, I, I could have probably sunk some money in, but that would have like really sucked. That would have taken a lot of the money out of my crypto bags that I wanted to keep playing around in. So I ended up just electing mm-hmm. to keep it and just take over my mom's old car. She was going to sell it. So I paid a little bit of money for that. Got the, um, got the hybrid car. And then ripped out all the seats that had this whole document thing on my YouTube channel where I just kind of like so cool. turned the car into a mobile home and then lived out of there. Basically, the goal was to be a travel photographer and just see what that did for me mm-hmm. or something yep. and just see what happened. And so I kind of went with that and just did that for six months. And man, the most the most arduous, filled with lessons and depressed and anxious and stressful six months of my entire life. But I glad I got it documented. Very happy I documented some of it with video. I didn't end up documenting as much as I thought because it was just harder than I thought to do it. But mm. the photography was good. And that ended up being uh, turning into like my flagship for my brand and my NFT projects. So yeah. Was that all solo? Was that solo travel? Yeah. Yeah. What, totally was, like, what was like your biggest lesson learned from that? Did you have any valuable lessons whilst you were out there? Dude, I had, like I had a lot of solo for six months is probably yeah. a lot on psychology. Like I wanted to do that as well. I wanted to go to Thailand, um, travel Thailand on my own and just live out there for like six months to a year on my own. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it, it's it's obviously you discover yourself and it's crazy. But 
again being alone for 12 months just you and yourself obviously you make yeah. friends along the way but that's a mm-hmm. that's a scary one to push into yeah no rarely do you make friends i made a few friends uh all along the yeah. trip but i mean you don't you don't really talk to like random people on the side of the street as often as you might think that's when true. you're traveling solo at least for me it took a while to kind of acclimate uh especially also when you're not i wasn't making any money online and i wasn't making money in general i just had saved up a few thousand dollars and was just living yeah. off that yeah so like imagine waking up stressed about everything because you don't know you don't even know where you're gonna sleep that night like not, nothing's laid out for you there's no there's no casual sort of breakdown of how your day could potentially go it's usually like you wake up and have zero clue what's happening tomorrow <laughs> and that was that's like really frustrating and also when you live in the car and you travel in the car you do everything in the car there's no feeling of like going anywhere and coming back you're always just kind yeah, of no, in yeah, route yeah. and it's a really weird uncomfortable feeling after a while like if I don't go to the gym. And I'm in my apartment all day making videos. I feel particularly shitty that day because it's like I didn't go oh, no. anywhere. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like get out of my my uh, current state of mind and being and, and environment. And so I feel yeah. like weird. And so like imagine that building up for six months and cramped up in this tiny little car where like you can't even stretch out or stand up or anything. You're uh, you know sleeping in Walmart parking lots half the time. But among the things I learned at the very end, like my uh, my like climax moment i guess if you will was uh here in washington state which is the reason i moved here but i wanted to live in the city but i was on top of this mountain and i had basically wandered off i was potentially on some some substances and wandered <laughs> off somehow got to the top of this mountain and it was just right at peaking at sunset and i'm like on the top of this mountain there's ridges all along the other tops of the mountains around me like you can see for hundreds of miles it's an olympic national yeah. park with the most beautiful place on earth and i remember just being so overwhelmed with how beautiful everything was the sun was setting over here and the moon was rising over here and i'm just being That's like crazy. i like couldn't believe like how perfect everything was and i was like how is this possible and then i'm like sitting there like almost like breaking out it was like literally so beautiful um and it because the state of mind I was in, it was just very overwhelming. I had like, this music playing over me and I really badly wanted to like document this moment and the feeling of how great it felt, but I couldn't, I had my phone. I was trying to like film things and I remember like, why can't I save this moment? And I, it just kind of like hurt to me. It was like when you, it's not like living in the present cause that's so cliche, but living with intention will absolutely change everything about your life. When, when you can intentionally focus on something, even for a few minutes, I focused for four hours to fix my website last week or a few days ago. And within 24 hours, I had two leads and closed four deals just from changing that. Damn, and like when you intentionally good. focus, you like make a to-do list the night before, it usually gets done. Cause it's like, no, it's like the things I committed to, I'm gonna finish it off. So like one of those yeah. things was that, and then you show it for yourself. You know, there's a scene in Harry Potter, Prison of Azkaban, where Harry saves himself from the Dementors in, from the past or from the future, whichever one it was. And that scene is super powerful to me because it represents how it is. You know, like pretty much nobody's going to show up for you or they'll disappoint you, but it's almost never personal. They're just doing their own shit the same way you're doing your own shit. And so realizing that for real and being like, okay, if something goes wrong, you have got to be able to fix it yourself because there's nobody else who's showing up yeah I, I love that jesus christ yeah that's that's very good <laughs> yeah i highly recommend um to-do lists honestly because i'm yeah i've never been able to like stay strict to a schedule like wake up uh like 7 a.m by 8 a.m have like do this do this i've never been able to do that i don't know why i've just i, I don't think it's a discipline problem but mm-hmm. i don't know i've just never been comfortable with that so i started a to-do list and like the night before i'd have like a notepad by my bed because obviously when i go bed uh every single night that's when my brain starts working. 
Yes. As soon as I shut my eyes, like every single idea I've had for that day, boom, just comes out. Like I need to do this. I'm like, do I get up? What do I do? Yeah. So I just write it all down the next day, just slowly go from a to-do list. It's been so, so productive since then. Um, so I highly recommend that for anyone who's going through troubles with staying strict to schedules. Um, Agreed. So going back to the beginning again, um, how did you first get involved in the space, like the NFT space, the trading crypto space? What was your first uh, encounter? So crypto, my first encounter was in 20, uh, 2017 was the first time I ever heard the of Bitcoin. Bitcoin yeah, yeah, the first time I ever heard of anything was like around that time. And it's because, of course, he had to be sketchy, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, no, the year before. So 20, 2016, I had a roommate okay. in college. This is like a trend. It's like a theme in my in my um my story. I had, I had this roommate <laughs> and this roommate was... um. Probably the biggest drug dealer in that in that town. It was a smaller town, but Love he it. was doing his thing, and I didn't really. And at that point, I had no idea anything about that world, and so I didn't understand crypto at all. At that point, it it basically sounded like a scam, and it was like mm. trading on the dark web. He would just buy things online, oh, shoot. <laughs> whatever, right? So, and he had delivered. So the only experience I had was like, oh, he buys illegal stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and then a year later, I transferred schools, and I was in this public speaking class, and this kid walks up. There's this whole speech on Bitcoin is going to change the world, decentralization, this decentralization, oh, no that. Way. And I'm sitting there going like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's got like, you know, <laughs> he's got like slacks that are like super oversized, like these old shoes. And I was like, this is going to, this is this dude's going to change the world. This technology is going to change the world. And I t- didn't even, didn't even Google it or anything. Just completely laughed it off. Everyone in the class, by the way, laughed it off. And um, I went up and proceeded to do my fitness speech. Fucking got a beat, like bombed it. Got like a C minus on it or something like that. <laughs> oh. so that was my first experience with Bitcoin and crypto. And then my first experience buying it was a joke. It was a TikTok video we saw in like 2020 or something like that. It was a three-day trend. It didn't really work in the beginning. But it was buy Dogecoin. You buy it and nobody sells. It goes up. And I was like, Devin, that sounds fucking stupid. And he goes, no, 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 trust me. He's like, you're making a ton of money at the restaurant. Just fucking spent, just drop like 200 bucks in there. And I was like, oh my God, dude. So I put in 400, it doubled and I took my money. I, put, I took half my money out. So I took 200 out and I was like, oh my God, like Dogecoin's going to change the world. And then I forgot about it for like a year. And then the real crypto bull run picks up in 2021. My bag, $200 went to like 15 grand. And I remember just being oh, like, oh shoot, okay. Oh, what the fuck do I do with this? <laughs> and that's when I found Journey Crypto. I started learning about like proper trading and proper stuff. About, about crypto and just in general, I started to really dive into it because I was like, this is nuts. Like what, what just happened? That's not normal. Yeah. I need to know more, just like everybody else who gets lucky on a bag and just dove in. So Dogecoin, I, I'm, ha- I'm gonna have to get a tattoo of them at some point because they're the reason, the real reason that I got in and initially had my interest. Uh, and then I was trading, watching all the videos, early trades, trading crypto, Benjamin Cohen, like all the OGs who have a, a somewhat of a lid on their heads. They're not having been totally sold by the companies that are paying for their lives. And just watch a lot of their stuff. And then uh, crypto just got boring after a while. And then NFTs popped up. I remember seeing some videos from Journey Crypto about Bored Apes. Didn't really look into it. Saw them at a floor of like one something ETH and being like, ah, it's too late. <laughs> Missed it. <laughs> Fuck. And I'm like, at that point, I had, like, like, like I said, I had decent money from that from that sale. And I was like doing well at the restaurant. I was making a ton of money. And I, I easily could have sunk in money. I just didn't know yeah, any yeah. better. You know, nobody knew better. Nobody knew Bored Apes was going to be what they were. It was like by any other project. To one ETH in the beginning, so I just remember vividly being like, "Nah, <laughs> stupid." 
um completely missed yeah it, but that's that's sort of like the the safe journey that people take though like because all these like degenerate gamblers who like you know sell at the casino betting all day they're like yeah. oh yeah sack it you know what we're gonna drop one one ethereum into this and they're the ones laughing at us now the ones who didn't take all that risk management and stuff they're the ones laughing we're the ones who are safe you know what no we're not gonna we're not gonna yeah. risk like what two thousand dollars on this thing we're gonna be nice and safe we're gonna do our you know do our research but the ones who didn't do any research are the ones just caked in money right now dude I, all so i did sad. was chase alex becker pumps all i did was just have <laughs> alex becker's shit on and like every time plus i was sprinting to like whatever he i remember like literally paying 500 dollars in gas for a mushroom oh. some kind of mushroom thing that didn't do any like lysergic magic mushroom something like that Oh my mm. god! It took such an L. It literally didn't go anywhere. It pumped for like three minutes, and I missed that pump. Of course, <laughs> I bought it after. And I was just, just like, "Man, catching Alice Becker's calls are hard, man." And it's funny because like my first real break into the NFT world, like as a um, as a person within it rather than just a participant, was yeah. because of an Alex Becker shill um, that happened to domino onto someone else that dominoed onto me. So okay, yeah, Alex Becker. Technically, I have a lot to thank. <laughs> well, you have to get him on a try and get him on a podcast. That'd be a cool. I, do, I would love to. I, I would love to. But um, I don't know, man. He, he's he's pretty like MIA. He's he's pretty much running his own online business, doing e-commerce and stuff like that. And so maybe I'll find him, dude. I mean, I, like I said, I get obsessed and I try, try and do everything. And I just learned this book about everything he does. So I'm like, shit, that's a good game to master. I'm definitely going to get that book. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. Googled that book. I've got it sitting on my desktop here. It's yeah. going to be a read for me coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> I posted on Twitter and literally all all of the NFT like YouTuber content creator people, every single one of them posted. Like everyone has the book. And I was like, oh, this is like a thing. They're like, oh, yeah, like everyone reads this book if you do like business stuff. And I was like, oh, OK, I did not know that. First time hearing yeah, it like a week okay. ago. That is getting older for me, too. Um, <laughs> Uh, going into your like your personal brand, this is one more question, and uh, Tyler, you can take the stage and ask some questions. Um, uh, George Kingdom, um, where did that start, and what is it? What do you want to do with it, um, and what are you currently building with George Kingdom? The George Kingdom is a representation extension of myself. The things I explained earlier about self-discipline. Every now and then when you can, not, not self-discipline. So roll the dice on yourself, taking a chance on you, and seeing what happens from it. And a lot of times taking that first move at 40% ready rather than 90%, which is the theme of my whole life was waiting until 90%. You never get to 90%. You're always at 88%. You just never, you hit, never hit 90%. You're never quite ready. So I just kind of, you just jump before there's any feelings of like, okay, here we go. Just go earlier. And you like every single good decision, every single big moment came after I fully decided to commit to like myself, if that makes any sense. And so when I finally decided I'm jumping in this car, I'm going to go test myself against the world or whatever. And I have no clue what that even means or looks like or what next week will look like or what comes with these with this new challenge. And I'll just figure it out later. And once I made that first big commitment, it made every other one a lot easier. Like when when there's other moments now in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm not quite ready to do that. I'm just like, meh whatever dude like fuck it like even even small things you know like if you're an introvert and you have a party to go to that's something that you're probably going to psych yourself out of you know but yeah, yeah. after after the years of making those kind of decisions it's like it's a little bit easier to make hard decisions and be okay with it just being hard and even if it is something that's like gonna spike my anxiety or make me super super nervous about it it's like okay well i can still go into the event super anxious and still see what happens and probably nothing bad will happen and like definitely the thing i'm worried about isn't gonna happen like everyone pointing and laughing like the imposter syndrome stuff like nobody's <laughs> like that's not gonna happen that's never happened in the history of anything except the movies and so like because i know that now 
Uh, it's made everything in my life easier. I can walk into rooms now and not feel as like timid and shy and scared. Uh, and just show up, yeah. and especially if I'm, if I'm like coming on, if if I have like a really cool guest or something, and they're they're way out of my league, for example, which is like half the podcast I feel like I'm doing. I'm just in the room. I'm like, wow, <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> uh, and but it's like you know these guys are here for these guys or girls are here for a reason. Um, they wouldn't be on my show if they didn't think there was something here. And I'm like, that's something to take some confidence in. And so the Joy Scheme is about that, like drawing your confidence by earning it. And the problem, the problem with the brand is that it's everything encompassing about my brand, which is the business, it's the show, it's my actual brand, and it's literally like everything I have is just under the blanket Joyous Kingdom. Um, so sometimes it's hard because I'm like, oh, it's this, and then other people are like, wait, I thought it was like your business. I thought it was this. I'm like, okay, well, it's also that. It's it's also this. I just call all of it Joyous. <laughs> but it started a long, long time ago. Yeah. Have you always always been um like really good at speaking and like the storytelling stuff, or has that come with like come with the space and come with like hosting a podcast because personally like i used to be terrible at speaking like in school i was horrific like i was scared to stand up but like doing like i did like live streams and stuff on like youtube and stuff teaching people uh like with our discord i'm just like in voice chat teach people in there talking to people then the podcast as well Mm -hmm. like it's helped me so much uh, like in person as well like i'm i was like naturally an awkward person but now I don't know. I feel like I can literally go up to anyone and just ask them anything. And um, yeah. I don't know. This the space has helped me do that. Um, yes, is that agreed. been the same for you? Yeah, I think it's a probably accumulation of a lot of things in my life. You know, like I grew up in a. My dad worked at this really rich private school with a bunch of people who had the best genes on earth, and so everyone was beautiful except me. <laughs> and I was just fighting for like fighting to not be dead last on the totem pole was my basically entire life until I was like 16. So I grew up getting used to talking to beautiful people in general. And so I never was yeah. scared in that regard. I, it was more just a battle of like self-confidence of like, this won't work. There's no reason to try this. Like she'll never say yes. Like I have no point in asking her that kind of thing. Um, and so years of doing that and then transfer school when I was 15 or 16, was able to shoot up a little bit because I went to a public school. It wasn't as like rigorous, like everyone there wasn't beautiful. So I was like, okay, I can like, I'm like somewhat average in here. This is, this is cool. I can kind of reinvent myself. And so a little bit of that, you know, lots of trial and error and putting and getting, sometimes getting put into situations I didn't particularly want to be in, having to figure out a way out. I did a lot of observing when I was a kid um, to people that I looked up to or thought were cool or had something I wanted, I would observe, try and emulate. A lot of times I ended up pulling off whatever they did later on in my life, like my freshman year. I remember seeing this senior who was very popular, you know, good looking, all the girls liked him, the hottest girl in the school loved him. And I remember being like, man, like, I don't know what this guy has, but like, I need to have that. <laughs> and like my senior, I did the same thing. I did like this, he did this big proposal in front of the whole school at this assembly. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. So my senior year, I like one up to, I did it at like my other school, which is way bigger and did the same kind of thing and didn't feel any different. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this doesn't work or something like that. And so my whole life has been just a bunch of that, trying, trying things, seeing something I want, basically doing everything I can to get it getting it and then seeing if it filled the hole in my soul and most of the time it didn't and so i just keep going but you're like always learning things about yourself so i feel like it's that continuous search for for whatever and you kind of stop looking for the the gold at the end of the the rainbow and you start to not as much care about it's not really it's not like i enjoy the journey yet because it's still like a, a fight every time and you know um i don't know like at what point you start to feel more secure but it's still like a race but i'm not as concerned about the final goal like I, I feel like no goal's gonna be there just like everything else i've gotten to every other accomplishment and goal i've wanted to set eventually after putting in the years i end up getting there every time so i'm like okay it's gonna yeah. be there it's sitting there waiting for me i just have to continue putting in the work and try not to get too psyched up and too amped up about little small things happening day to day but as far as like speaking and things like that it's been putting myself in weird situations talking 
the random people and the accumulation of experiences like that and having good conversations out of um, when I went into the conversation thinking it was going to be a lot worse or more stressful. And, at the, you know, I had this job at the restaurant where I had an excuse now to just randomly go up to random people and start a conversation. And there's no weird awkwardness. I can just be a worker who just says, how are you doing? Most of the time, the conversation goes really well. 30 seconds later, I'm out. I've had a good conversation and nothing bad happened. And I think from there, I just sort of built it up. Then with the podcast, absolutely. The podcast has really helped out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, we're going to jump into talking a little bit about your um, reviewing of NFT projects. But before we, we jump into that, just just hearing, you know, you describe the Joyage Kingdom and and also Leon have, hearing you describe some of your experiences. I'm, I'm an older dude here, so I, I love hearing these, you know, young, young, young fellows such as yourselves talking about these really uh, foundational sort of uh, values and beliefs you've put into action at such a young age. And by the way, you guys are killing it. I mean, if, Thank you. I, I'm thinking back to myself when I was in my 20s. And I just look like an amoeba. I'm just like, oh, it's <laughs> so much longer for me to get there. But I will it's say, social media. Know, that's why yeah, right? it's, it's 100 like social media it didn't exist when I was in my 20s. I mean, people would yeah. use pagers and stuff like that. So and I've got three kids now, NFT dad, that's kind of my story. Nice. Uh, and I'm just thinking to back to, you know, some of the things that you're saying and, and having confidence in your future self, I think is one of the really cool things that you've sort of described in, in your journeys and, and rings true for me, having to figure out lots of things over, over my life. But one of the books I want to recommend, we've got dot-com secrets up, Cade, great recommendation. And another one's called the more molecule. You guys might want to check this out. Ooh, I've it's heard of that. Dopamine. It's so good, man. I've listened, I read it. Well, I listened to it. Uh, uh, while I'm working out and stuff like that. And it's just what you're describing, you know, with that goal that you set that you just like are relentless at attaining. This is a dopaminergic behavior I've read about mm -hmm. where dope really fuels this. And then once you get there, um, like basically the future is kind of like full of phantoms. Like there's all yeah. these ideas you know, things that you want to see happen. But when they're, when you're in the moment, like right now or in this moment together, what kind of chemicals are, are encouraging you to move on in this? And that's, uh, that's, you know, uh, vasopressin and mm -hmm. um you know another non-dopamine related drug that kind of reinforces the here and now um and that's always fleeting right so it's like this relationship between you get that goal that dopamine bump once you get that goal then it's got to move over to oxytocin which is kind of yeah. like that drug that you feel good here and now but that's really helped me sort of stay focused on you know i love the future i love what's there i have confidence in my future self even to the point out of out of flaw where i'm like yeah, yeah. I'll, buy these nfts my future oh. self all that here and you're like okay future self way to fucking yeah, go yeah. You got that's a bag, funny. A bag full that's of funny. nfts you know like way to go um so really but you always do right you always do take care of it so it's like i mean yeah okay yeah i figured it out that's how it goes that's great. but also that's like great. i chase i um in the same way like these kind of things the reason i love the podcast so much and the reason i do them probably like three times a week still like for the past year straight is because like i really like how you completely get like every like pretty much very rarely can anything from the outside world affect me during a podcast. Like once the podcast is on, it's like a dedicated, you know, intentional conversation with the, with the goal of connecting and then also like pulling out some good value through watching. And during that time, like pretty much nothing else matters. And I think it's really important to have those times, like the, the hour and a half you're at the gym or walking to the gym, coming back. Like that's really nice to not be in your normal state of mind. Same with the podcast. Like I'm totally zoned in. When I have a podcast, like at first, yeah. like if you have your phone out, you're still like kind of connected to everything else you were doing. Um, things right. can still make you stressed out and things like that. And this is great because it's like totally intentional. Yeah, you're in the stream. You've jumped straight in. You're not at the side dipping your toes in. Mm -hmm. I remember um, pre-pandemic uh, to to sort of the discussion around getting comfortable speaking in front of people over over years of 
you know, just being in front of people, I got comfortable and I thought I could never do any wrong. Yeah. Um, and then a big, big fuck up where I was in front of about 400 people. I was a host of a cooking contest outside at the <laughs> university in, in BC at UBC. And yeah. uh, the, we were right at the end and I was like, just killing it. Like jokes, my, you know, people were loving my, my vibe. And, um, and we we're right to the end when we were drawing the winners of this big cooking competition and the, the sort of guy that was organizing things told me the winner, but I, I looked right at the uh, wrong person and uh, said the wrong winner. And everyone was like, you know, you could hear the DJ. Oh was my go. God. Oh, no. yeah. Was like, and everyone's like, oh, fuck. And like my father-in-law was there. Like everybody was there. And I, oh. and I, and I had to give it, I totally fucked up. And then for me, that was like a big <laughs> moment because people were super nice to me. They were okay. kind. We, we fixed it. You know, no one's no one shanked me later on. None of the chefs came up. <laughs> yeah, but I survived, yeah. right? But anyway, um, um, yeah. but just to the point that you can fuck up huge too. Four hundred mm -hmm. people out there probably think I'm a bit of a dildo, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm okay now. I survived, right? So I have, uh, I have, I, I've recovered. Um, but anyway, um, let's uh, jump into the next question here. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to hear a little bit about your, your. I want to hear so much from you, but again, we've got a bit of a limited time here. I want to know. Um, out of these hundreds of NFT projects you've reviewed over the over the last couple of years, or has it been almost two years? Uh, can, have you been able to pinpoint some patterns in mistakes that you see them all kind of making? I'm just curious about that because there's a lot that are at zero now. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's tons of there's tons of mistakes that people make. A lot a lot of them, um, a lot of them center around, especially now that I've read this book, it's like glaringly obvious. Now it's just it's the way they're their narrative is presented to the outside world. They think that like, I think the biggest problem for most NFT projects, most content creators is the self-awareness factor of who's watching this content and who's going to see this and what are they going to take away from it? And if you haven't thought about that before you post the stuff, a lot of your content is not going to hit anybody and it's just going to be out there in the ether and you know, 16 people are going to see it. They're not going to think anything, but they're just going to engage with it. No problem. Nobody remembers you. And then three weeks later, you drop your mint and you're now irrelevant. Congratulations. <laughs> that's, that's the roadmap for 99% of projects. And so because they don't, they don't think about how they're packaging it, they don't hit anyone. And so nobody sees it. No investors see it. No partnership companies who are potentially looking at NFT projects are going to care to partner up with you. And no new people are going to join your project because none of your content's geared toward any of them. And so that's basically been the foundation of my of my channel and my company was because I focused on that when I had 900 subscribers or something or 400, 900 subscribers. And I started making review videos, trying to podcast, trying to do anything that wasn't top five NFTs to buy. <laughs> so I could carve out like a new niche and hopefully start a revolution of people at least disclosing if they're going to be doing anything that's paid, you know, like at least disclosing, it, even if it's not like a promo, even if it's something else or some kind of thing uh, to disclose it. Cause that's, it's shitty if you're not, and probably is illegal. I imagine it's illegal. So <laughs> um, they don't make additional content. And so they don't have like, uh, for example, on their main website, on their front of their website, there's no video explaining who they are, what they're doing, who's their team, why it makes sense to invest in us. And they're not patching in a way where you watch that and say, okay, I'm in. You know, almost no project has, there's like a couple projects who are like, holy shit, I don't know what that is, but I want it. Like, hate beast when their trailer drops, boom, mic drop. Everyone wants it. Like, it, it did not matter what they did from then on. They were going to sell out and there's going to be crazy hype for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And if that's your goal, then that's the kind of video you've got to put out. They knew exactly what they were doing. Like, we're going to hit on every single DGEN, but the, the trailer's going to be so good that it doesn't matter who you are. The shock value is going to be enough to transcend everybody else. doesn't matter who you are. So mm -hmm. they crushed in the marketing department. What they lacked was like the brand building in the community. They had a little bit of that, 
um, but they didn't focus enough for the amount of hype that they had. Like the amount of people that drew in from that trailer and just the hype and attention around it, they probably should have allocated like 20% more money just from the, their overall supply of money that they had going into fund the project into managing that. Like they did manage it, but like, I don't think they even realized, I don't think any of us realized like how much attention and hype they had. I mean, they literally ran up to like 12 E. That is, that is so much money. And it was just all these pictures, of, it was total speculation. Um, and if you're not going to be hyped up projects like that, then you have to have a video where it's enticing. And for that, you also need a project with an idea that's not just a PFP. So another big mistake is the derivatives. Almost no derivatives work. Almost none. You know, Maybe they work for a day or two. But if you're a project founder who does care about your project, a derivative probably isn't going to work. More than likely isn't going to work. Um, and then the third one is they don't understand Web3. Just they just don't understand the culture behind it. They don't understand why to do something versus not to do something, or like why is this a mistake? I'm like, because your ears aren't to the ground. You're a founder. You're you're like you're not. You don't know who your community is. You don't know who your team is really. You just kind of hired whoever my hired whoever developer, um, and it's just just very like non-professional. I guess is probably like the, the best way I can describe it. Just not professional. And I'm all about you know not showing up to work with a tie on. Like that's not what I mean by professional i just mean like just doing your due diligence and like following up with things and paying attention most projects can plug all the holes that sink their ship by paying better attention to what's going on on twitter and just engaging and doing things in a narrative that like line up with what's going on and that meta changes weekly so i think every project needs like an advisor and the advisor's got to be someone with their ear to the ground so i can be a youtuber can be a content creator can be a ship host or someone like whoever is there on ground zero doing the dirty work like you've got to have someone in there's a lot of big projects that fucked up their mint a lot of morales in a lot of meetings especially in the bull run where they would offer me like 10 or 15 percent of the mint to do these things um and i would just like hear their marketing plans like dude that's that's not gonna work you realize you paying logan paul for an instagram shout out it's not gonna convert buyers his audience mm -hmm. is a bunch of like they're not interested in nft so like just because a million people see it doesn't mean they're gonna buy the nft and they didn't understand that like, no, no no you don't understand like yes it will and i was like no you don't understand no it won't <laughs> It, it literally won't, and none of their projects did well because nobody bought it. They had like two ETH in, in traded volume from like the sad nine people who fell for the for the marketing plan. And can you play that out for us a little bit? I'm just really curious. Like when when you're in, in, in you know invited into these meetings as somebody that's a you know successful content creator, where do you go from there when you're like, no, actually this isn't gonna go? Like, do you say like I gotta distance myself from you, or do you follow through with like talking about with their project? Um, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't do anything with them. So typically in yeah, those kind of yeah. meetings, when I've been offered that, I'm just like, look, I, there's something I can give you. There's something we can do for right. each other. So just good luck. So it's typically in like those kind of explosion means like, Hey, I have an offer for you. It's going to be irresistible. It's going to change your life, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I take those every now and then. Cause like, I, you know, maybe I'll also be surprised and every now and then it is a good meeting. Um, or maybe it's not as like sketchy as I thought it would be. But most of the time, if it starts out like that, it's it's typically some kind of like Ponzi or some bullshit, or they're like, oh, let's right. pay this guy. Like, you, they're like, they're so when they sound so sure of themselves, and like, this is gonna work, and I'm gonna do this, then this, and this, and this, and I'm like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and, yeah, and I, I typically do don't. Can you recall any examples of where maybe you're like, I'm not sure, like I'm on the fence, but you're like, okay, I'm gonna take a risk, and then you've gone and sort of talked about mm. it, and then it's hit or it hasn't oh. hit. Uh, no, so, I, so the reason I did the reviews is so I never would have to rely on the promos. So the reason I did right. the reviews was so that someone would eventually hit me up in the email and say, hey, we want you to do a review instead of a promo. We right. want the review. And at some point in the future, I want that we want this to be a review to be a much more formal company where people say, hey, like we're ready to get audited by the Jewish kingdom. I'm, I want to have like a poet, like some kind of like like a pope, uh, proof of attendance, but more of like a proof yeah. of having done the audit kind of thing. I want to have that and kind of like build out that framework. So right now, like while the business solves an immediate problem and it's the reason I'm still able to live off that money, 
um, it, that business really is more of like a five, 10 year vision when bigger companies are in. Um, and it's also kind of like a case study of myself. It's like when the companies do come, like who can we rely on? I have like a business backed with experience and like all these videos, like all these uh, examples of actual things that have been happening and things I've done where they can say, okay, like this is something we can, we want to have on the team or as an advisor or something like that. Or when big companies come in and there's another run or when the metaverse starts to come in, like everyone uh, becomes a metaverse project, I need to be that audit company so I can make the most money <laughs> and I can like take up that market. So what you're saying is people are going to show up, you're going to come to you, you're going to be like, look, this is going to be unbiased. Like I'm going to actually kind of poke at holes. I'm going to poke at your project, but mm -hmm. this is a process where, you know, you can say you've gone, you've, You've, you've submitted to this in some way, you've been audited, and then you can stand by that because you've got X number of years of yeah. experience in, in, in the space, which is, which is my next question. Um, you know, at what point are you at that point, you know, where you're now full-time content creation, Web3, like, are you at that point now? Are you fully self-sustaining or is that still off, off into the future a little bit? Yeah. So, so the way I set up my reviews was basically, so it's a win, 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 win. For everybody so i get the review i get to post the video right so it's helpful for my content in general because everyone who comes to me for the reviews gets it from another youtube video so it's like every time i do one i know it's another exposure for me um they get exposure i've had companies i've had projects who do a review with me get like 400 views and a private investor comes and like dms them because they like something in my 400 view video so it's like it's not really about the numbers and i found that out firsthand because i went full-time at 900 subscribers a year ago um when i realized how well, A, I, I looked at money differently. So if I make a deal and I make a thousand bucks, for example, a thousand dollars pays for a month of rent, which is 30 days of content. That's like 200 pieces of content in my world. I can post a lot of shit in that time. And I can probably get another lead in those 30 days I have time to buy my next month, my next month. So that's kind of how I looked at the money up until this point. And right. um, so uh, I, forget, I forget what your original question was with the review. Yeah, just, just but, like, um, yeah, so so you're full-time now, basically. Oh, yes, yes. So, so yeah. literally just a few weeks ago, I've been I've been full-time for about a year now, totally on my own, uh, living off the really honest reviews and like advising and all those things. So my business was paying for everything there. Uh, then when the market slowed down, I was like, okay, well, I can still, this probably will still work. Like it's still like a somewhat foolproof business. I was like, it should mm -hmm. work. So I had a little bit of money still on the side. I, I ended up spending a lot during the bull run because I kind of looked at like tuition. I had to spend money yeah. to learn things a lot of times. So I would just take L's sometimes, but like not really be bothered by it. So I made a ton of money and I lost a ton of money as well. Uh, but since I wasn't trading, my goal wasn't really to buy expensive NFTs. It was to like try things and try new blockchains and test things and like join communities. Like I bought a bunch of expensive NFTs because they were like friendship tokens almost. If I became friends with the founder of a project, I want to hold their NFTs. Sometimes they're expensive. And so a lot of them became that. A lot of my uh, best NFTs, I, or like my favorite NFTs I never sold. So they're, they're still in my wallet kind yeah. of thing. And so I never really made money off those. I basically lost the money technically. Um, yeah. But um, why, why am I literally, why have I forgotten your question twice now? <laughs> no, it's so good. I mean, I think it, you've answered it. No, but that's because you've answered it, which is you you have gone full-time. You're weathering, you know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Now you're weathering the bear and you, it sounds like you're still, you're still killing it. Well, that's what I was going to say. So the, um, up until three weeks ago, since I was working full time at home, I sort of get sick of working at home. So I don't know if this is like a thing. I feel like it happens to a lot of people worked my whole life to be able to work at home. Finally get to work at home after a year say, Oh, this is why people go into the office. This is why companies <laughs> want people to come back. Cause it's exhausting. And it's like miserable sometimes to be at your home 24 seven. Like I, the only time you leave is like basically go to the gym or like get food or something. And I was like, man, I need a, I want to like get out and be social, but I also don't want to like waste that time. Like I'm in this grind mode and I just can't get out of it. And I don't want to get out of it. So I'm like, how can I get paid and have fun 
and relatively like not have extra stress in my life. And I was like, well, like the restaurant industry has always been fun. You always make a shit ton of money and everyone there is cool. So I was like, hey, like maybe I can try that. Like it's a great way to meet people in the city. And it's hard to do that. If you don't, if you don't have a job or you're in some kind of club that meets every couple of days, there's not really another way you meet people, you know, especially in NFT land. No one like does NFTs. And for the most part, when I do meet NFT people, sometimes they're weird, you know, anyways. So I was like, sometimes. let me try this out like a couple times a week. I can give up. I can give up a few hours a week and, and try this thing. So I joined a, a restaurant just for fun and literally the best decision of my life. Like I made friends. Um, it's good to get, like I said, to get out of that normal state of mind and, and environment. And so I just run around the, the, the restaurant for a few hours and I'm just behind the bar and it's fucking easy. It's just like I walk home. I feel accomplished. I'm like refreshed. I'm like, okay, like now it's time to go into NFTs. I feel like it's almost like a side hustle again because I'm like, yeah. I get home and then I edit for four hours. I go to sleep and I wake up and then now I have like a full day of YouTube and like I only do it twice a week. So it's like not like taking too much of my time. Um, but, you right. know, the money from the restaurant easily pays for my rent. So now every single cent I make is just profit. So I'm like, this is lit. Like, I really enjoy this now, especially in a bear run. Like I want the extra cash because like I want to build up. I want to buy a mutant ape. Just I don't know why I just got this in my head a few weeks ago. Now I want a mutant ape, so I'm like, okay, that's like a fucking lot of money. So I gotta budget for that and like all these things. So, oh, good for you. That's I love this. So what you've done is you've taken the in real life job and you've flipped it and you've made that your side hustle. <laughs> exactly. And you've got the web three work as your main and said that's beautiful. Yeah. Over to you, Leon. What you gotta? You I got you up for the next question here. Yeah. Um. So um. Carry on with like working full time in the space. Um. There's a lot of people um, that are on the grind right now to work full time in a space. Like you see so many people on Twitter, like starting off as like Discord mods, then they become yep. like community managers and then they do like the club manager and the founders, advisors, all these things. What would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who's trying to go full time in the Web3 space? You got to start making content. You've got to stop stop making excuses and start posting about what like the I actually this is my draft right now so this would be very relevant to today's conversation. I I, just, I truly cannot believe and it makes me so upset when I tell my dad start making YouTube videos or TikToks. You're an expert. Mm. You're in the most lucrative industry in the world, and you're fucking on top. You're like at the top. He's he works in Silicon Valley. He's representing the United States at like massive conventions for computer science and education. He's like top top of the of the food chain, right? And I'm like, dog, all you do is talk to people. Your job is to like talking to people. I'm like, how do you not have a show? It like, doesn't even make sense. Like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, start making videos. He's like, no, like, I'm, he's so he's so traditional with how he like rises up. You know, you get a job, you, you work really hard, you get promoted, blah, blah, blah. So he's very subscribed to that model. As I continue doing my thing, I'm hoping that he starts seeing things I'm doing and says, wait, he posted a YouTube video last year and he got a full-time offer from that YouTube video. Maybe I should do that because he's way more qualified than I am. He's like 50 and he's like been working on all these companies. He's like, and he's right now, he's actually interviewing at some like blockchain companies, which is hilarious. I'm like, holy oh, shit, no you're actually going to jump into this world with me. So like, that's going to be really exciting. I think it will happen at some point, but either way, he's an expert. There's so many experts right now on TikTok. Like for example, there's a lawyer called lawyer or something. And he just makes these funny videos and he just drops knowledge about lawyer shit and he makes funny skits. And dude, he's made so much more money because of those social media, he has clients, he gets uh, consulting offers stuff like that. So he gets a lot of money from the online business. And I'm like, you're already doing it. Like just, just film your conversation and put it out there and like pay some guy, like you're making money, just pay some kid in high school or college a few hundred bucks a month or a few hundred bucks a week and like have him edit everything. I was like, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna get at least one opportunity a month, which will probably pay off for, you know, you paying for this editor. And I just can't believe how many people aren't spending the extra time. It doesn't have to be a lot of work. There's people who put in the most low quality TikTok videos, barely edit a thing. And the videos do well. They don't even have to do that well. You just need a couple hundred people to see it. Um, you know, like my first bump in the NFT space came from Ugaverse when I made a video 
took like 30 minutes to make. I just had a bunch of questions about them. I liked them, but I was like, hey, there's a bunch of like things that I think are interesting. Like you guys haven't answered them. Here's my questions. And they saw the video, saw all the other videos I put out. And they basically like sponsored the channel and I joined the team oh, no for like six months and I worked with them. And that was like my first inkling into space all because of one silly YouTube video. I didn't even think anything of it. You know, and like That's I just crazy. can't believe people aren't doing that. Just posting more content and then stacking skills. You know, that's something Alex Ramos is really hit on is stacking your skills, get good at stuff. And if you're not good at stuff, then you've got to learn people like really, really to a deep level. You've really got to understand people and figure out ways. If you can't help them, at least flip that narrative to make it think and make it feel like you're somewhat helpful or you're funny or something that's a value that you can bring to the table. If you don't have anything that you can't bring to the table that someone else can just fill in immediately, you're useless and you will you will be left behind. Like for a fact, you will be left behind because this market doesn't give a fuck who you are it's about what you can bring to the table yeah um going back to like your dad and having like just someone sat there 24 7 editing his videos it's like gary v for example um he has a mm -hmm. don't know what his cameraman's called but he has him literally walk around <laughs> everywhere with him yeah dear, that's the one that's the one but he like goes to all these meetings all like his um like uh events and stuff like that and just follows him everywhere with a camera yeah because like the amount of clips you can get and Dude, like know. with your dad for example if he just had like literally like you're saying just a, a college kid just there paid him like 50 dollars a day just to record every single meeting or like the events mm -hmm. the talks the amount of content he could get from yeah. it especially being high up in the nice. space and be a professional what you do like Dude, my goal is to take crazy. over gary v uh position <laughs> situation as fast Ooh. as possible my goal is to crush gary v first and then crush okay. joe rogan so I have like very specific goals. Like I basically want wow. to replace the Gary V. What he's got going on, like the position and like role he plays in the space. I think I do it better, but it's not because I'm an Ooh. egotistical maniac. It's because I have <laughs> 20 years of content from Gary V that I've watched. And I'm like, oh, I can just That's not true. make all the mistakes yeah. he made. I can document right. since the beginning, which he didn't do, which he always expresses like his biggest, deepest regret. He's like, man, we should have filmed more. He's like, why don't we film more shit when we were like eating shit? Like when we had like nothing kind of thing. And I'm like, dude, I've made vlogs from... A year ago, there's a vlog on my channel where I was at, in Colorado still, kind of first getting off the um, first starting YouTube, really. And mm. when I watched that video now, I'm like, holy shit, that was that was a wild time to be alive. Like that was that was peak, you know, bull run. But that was also like peak me not knowing what was going on, struggling with balancing everything and just like crazy chaos. It, it just in my mind, I remember. And when I see that, I'm like, holy shit, I'm so glad I have that documented because I'd never want to go back there again. And that's something that we talked, we hit on earlier, like I have so many pain points from my childhood that that's part of the reason I'm so obsessed with gaining things and getting better and, and growing and, and like leveling up. It's like I just, I'm so terrified of going back down here. Like we had, like I read somewhere where like once you have money, you think you're set, but then once you have that money, now you're scared, you're going to lose it. So, so then you work yeah, even harder yeah, yeah. and I'm like, shit, like that's definitely going to happen to me because I am terrified <laughs> of going back to like a helpless state of like, you know, if I got to pay for gas, I got to check my bank account. Like, can I actually afford this gas? Can I, can I afford to go in and grab this sandwich? Like, those are things you think about when you're not like exactly rolling in cash. And I just like that kind of state of mind is it's really hard to think anything higher level when you're worried about shit that low, you know? And I just, I do not want to go back there. Um, yeah. I just, I have a, a really selfish, selfish question here uh, being a, a sort of early stages content creator myself. Can yeah. you give us like a high level run through of, of what you, what's your sort of like flow for content? Like, Take us through, I don't know, a week of what you create and and where you're putting your content and and your you know your sort of process for chopping it up and getting it out there. You you comfortable sharing that? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is, I, I'm so open about these things because these help. These right. things help. And, you know, Gary Vee has crushed it and he's giving away everything for free. So I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. I'll just do the same thing. <laughs> It'll <laughs> probably work. <laughs> or if not, like someone else will see my content and be like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Let's bring him on. Um, and so, yeah, I will absolutely share it. So I, I, I feel like I've found the hack, right? The hack A is YouTube Shorts. I, I have saved my YouTube channel with that. Like me, the YouTube channel in NFT land, ain't nobody growing in that world, right? Like we ain't growing Can in I NFT really land. quickly bought in? Have you seen what yes. YouTube have done? You can finally what? on your YouTube page, it's separated into videos, live streams, and shorts. Oh, oh. The oh. it used oh, to be God. so messy. Have you seen it or not? Dude, no, but I post like no, five a day. So thank God. Bro, go on your YouTube <laughs> channel straight after this, right? Click oh, on it. It has a home, videos, shorts, and live Let's streams go. all separated. I know I've been waiting so long because I hated it. I used to delete my shorts after two weeks because my, yeah. my YouTube page. If they, was if they didn't crush it, I delete them. Yeah, if they, they have to get yeah. at least a thousand views or be a good video or also just delete it. I'm like, that's in this. Not yeah, so sorry to okay, that's in, fantastic. Yeah, they finally news. changed it. Anyway, Hell carry yes. on, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so so I feel like I found the hack. So YouTube Shorts part of the game. So it, it's helped me with copywriting, which is probably the one of, if not a top three skill you could ever have is the copywriting. Know what's going to probably draw their attention in. And it doesn't happen every time. You know, I'd probably say like one to four ratio of ones that hit and do well with the algorithm, but it's better than one to four. Like it's pretty good. Like if you're going to post that's four really videos, one's going to do well. I'm like, that's, I'll take that. I'll take that's pretty good odds. So especially with TikTok, you know, especially on um, NFT TikTok, it ain't there right now. People, it's just not, it's not a thing. So, right. So if you post a ticket about NFTs, it's not getting any views. Like my friend Matt has like, Hundred thousand followers or something. Every video he gets gets thousands of views until he posts an NFT video, gets two hundred views. So I'm like, okay, I don't feel as bad anymore. <laughs> so, so part of it's that. However, depending on what your goals are, I don't know if my goals are are particularly unique. I just think they're maybe identified. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who have similar goals to me, just maybe haven't fully visualized it. For me, I've just always been big on visualization. Every single big thing has come from that. Like college soccer came from me thinking about it all the time. The uh, the bodybuilding, once I got like that perfect physique, that was something I had in my mind for a long time uh, with living in my car. I remember living in my car and uh, the day, like a few days before making this video of me in my garage or something and sitting in the back trunk and like having a video of me sitting in the back trunk uh, with just my garage in front of me and saying like one day this will be like, a mountain or like a river or something beautiful instead of a fucking garage and then uh like three months later i took that same exact video outside of like literally it's hard to explain they're called the badlands basically like the grand canyon kind of thing and just That's unbelievable cool. i'm just feeling wow bro i fucking did it <laughs> i fucking did it <laughs> so anyways because of that goal in my mind which is to to beat joe rogan to be basically maybe in web3 i don't know what web3 will turn into but whatever this industry we're in that i'm building uh, as a personality and a character in i want to be the number one show like when people say hey we need to go on the show what show is that i need to be in that top three if not number one i need to be the one where people want Damn. to come on the show right they don't say oh like uh, i got this podcast next week i don't know it's like oh like we're trying so hard to get on the joyce Kingdom show like that's the goal so because of that right. i have to post an ungodly amount of content because i need to get everybody so i do as many podcasts as i can if i have a free day i'm looking to fill it usually if I'm not streaming, like I try and stream at least three days a week. If I don't have one of those, then unless it's a break and I'm just taking a break intentionally, then I'll try. I'll be like, okay, who haven't I interviewed yet? Or who has something coming up that I can be like, yo, uh, we did a podcast a few months ago. You guys have this thing coming up. Do you want to talk about it? We can do like an hour shop podcast. We can chop it up. Um, you guys can use it for your own content. I'm obviously going to cut it up. It's great exposure for you. Almost every time they bite. So I'll, I'll do things, those things like that. And I'll go back and I will spend the majority of my time editing those podcasts. And I get five to 20 clips every episode and i'm filming three mm. weeks so i get i have at least almost 100 drafts at any moment um to post all the time so i'm posting five a day at least right i used to, if i could post 12 a day i would i just i literally can't 
do I just can't do it anymore. To mm. to interrupt every hour of my day to post it on five different social medias is is miserable. <laughs> and I did that for like a year, and it worked. I just right now yeah. there's like other things that are it's more important to focus on other things and take it down the volume a little bit temporarily, in my opinion, because I'm building out the business and the background the the back funnels of my business again. And so I would say the podcast clips are a hack. You know, if you do podcasts, it's a great great place to start. It is almost every big relationship in my and connection I've made has been because of that podcast. Um, right. Or it's just a great way to meet people and talk to people. And, you know, like you and you, like us now are more connected because we sat and talked for an hour versus just yeah. trading DMs and stuff. So the podcasts are great. Um, if you have an inkling of an idea, just film it right there on the spot. Even if it's on your phone, you can always post it on your phone and make a better version later. Um, so I'd say just posting the video, making it, adding captions is one. Adding captions changed the game, especially for short form content. I, in my opinion, it's non negotiable at this point. Um, and then really, really thinking about how I said earlier, the target audience, who's going to see this video? Why am I making this video? What's a potential great outcome that could come? I think about those things every single time I post content. Like if I'm making a video, I'm like, okay, who is the best ideal customer? And what's the best ideal thing they could take away? And then what could I do that's going to bring me money and bring them value? And could that come from them seeing this video? And if the answer is yes, then I'll go along. If the answer is no, I either piece it together and figure out a way to make it like that. Or I say, okay, it's not for this person. It's for this customer or this client. Now, like, what? How does the funnel change? How does the offer change for me? How does my narrative around how I present myself in the video and what I want to offer and things that I hit on a little bit more specifically? How does that change? I'm making a video about um, D- Dick Butt NFT, some like the, that yeah, random project yeah, a few yeah, months geez. ago. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly who's watching that video, and it's not a CEO <laughs> of a business. It's a fucking kid, right? So I'm not gonna bother making a, a, a two-minute video like ad in the middle of it about my brilliance reviews because they're not paying for it because no who's watching it's gonna hire me. <laughs> right. So a lot of things like very, very like specific dialed in uh, self-awareness around content creation and always funneled it. Like, uh, like Brett said it a few weeks ago on my, um, on, my, on my show, he was like, if you're not making every single piece of your content with a funnel in mind or a call to action in mind, it's rough. He's like, you shouldn't, you should focus on getting something, at least driving through your website or your Discord or your YouTube or something, you know? Mm. Very cool. That's awesome. I love that. And I'm gonna take that clip. <laughs> <laughs> so like, drop that up and use that uh, on my channel at some point. That's beautiful, and and thank you for sharing that. I know that's uh, gold for so many of us. Uh, is this you still, Leon? This yeah, is, is. Yeah, this is still me. Yeah. yeah. Um. So switching over from the content now, um, back to the NFT space and the future of the NFT space. Um, yes. we hit it every single day. Um, but I'm guessing you probably know best. What does the NFT space need to do to evolve to the next stage? Is there anything so you can pinpoint that needs to do and transition? Yeah, yeah. No, so because it's a new emerging industry and in the beginning we wanted everyone and anyone to join, we typically would pander to whatever it takes to get the numbers in, right? And so mm. safe space, everything. Everything's always a safe space, right? You can't, you can't, um, you know, God forbid you insult someone or someone gets upset at something you said or it gets whatever. Someone gets their feelings hurt in Twitter space, right? Because of that, we've breeded quite a victim mentality within the space. I've noticed there's rarely any accountability. You know, I remember when I lost uh, World of Women Galaxy, um, it just got ripped out of my wallet. Just a, a stupid scam link that I clicked on. Just wasn't paying attention. After 10 months in this space, not a single hack. I just like was on, I was editing something on my computer, had a video pulled up, was doing something, saw this notification pop up. And I was like, oh, I must have missed that announcement. Let me go connect my wallet real quick. Didn't think oh. twice, connected my wallet. It asked me again to connect my wallet. And I was like, wait, didn't I just connect it? And I was like, am I high? And I was like, okay, I'm not high. I definitely connected my wallet. <laughs> That's not good. And so I went back to Discord. The link is gone. Everyone in the chat saying, disconnect your wallet, disconnect. I was like, 
oh, are you no. fucking kidding me? And I was like, which wallet did I connect? And I went back and I was like, okay, like I don't, I don't think there's anything in here. And then I went back and I was like, oh, it's like it wasn't a main wallet, but it was like one of the main wallets, I guess. And I was like, oh man, like there was like a there was a couple like NFTs I really liked in there that I don't know why they were still in that wallet. They should have been in my ledger. The World of Women, the World of Women NFT should have definitely been in the ledger. I don't know why it wasn't. And it, I just remember looking at my OpenSea and it's like one NFT was transferred out right after I just cranked oh, everything. So, cool. so I so I watched that get uh, sent out and then listed and sold within 60 seconds. And oh. no, sorry. I, no, sorry. It got listed within, within 60 seconds. It got sold within yeah. 10 minutes. But at that point, I had a decision to make. I was like, okay, do I be an asshole and flag this NFT and punish somebody else who's literally not even going to know that I was taken from me? Or do I just say, oh, that's my tuition fee. I just fucking took an L, my first L, so it's not even that big of a deal for me. It was an expensive L, and it hurt because I really liked that NFT, but you know, I guess it could have been a lot worse. They could have had access to all the funds in that wallet and all the other NFTs. They only had time to transfer the um, the one that they liked the most, I guess. And so I just like I tried my best to flip into a positive. I was like, okay, I had a Dogecoin in there. I had all these other NFTs that I fucking have so much emotional <laughs> tie to. It's okay. I'll survive. I'll just buy another one later or something like whatever. And I made a video out of it. And I was like, okay, this is a great way to spin it into something helpful. Oh, nice. And I, I mean, it's like a little bit of a safety video. And but as far as the, the future of the energy space, we need more accountability. We can't have people complaining and whining to founders and, you know, one thing goes wrong and they're expecting the founder to come in and fix it. You know, I've seen this happen a lot. Someone loses an NFT and they expect the founder to just reimburse them or give them an <laughs> NFT. I'm like, dog, unless the NFT is like $200 min like max, that's not going to happen. Like it doesn't like, it's just, I mean, unless you're like some public figure, maybe someone would donate one for you because they're trying to like, get on your good side or something like that, but that's not going to happen. And there's a whole lot of that. People don't want to do the research. That's why I made the Brilliance Reviews. So um, like I said earlier with the Brilliance Reviews, not only do I win because I post the content and the team wins because they get their video out there. The team also learns what I think they suck at and what they need to spend more time on. I win again because I typically offer that next step that they're not doing right. So I get even a double, oh, shoot, uh, double whammy. I can upsell yeah. them usually after. And because we get on a call, maybe we have a podcast later. I'm like, hey, here's a couple of extra things you want to work on. I can actually help there. Uh, and then the audience wins because, A, they might get introduced to a cool project. Um, but also they learn how I audit projects. So for them, when they look into a new project, they're like, okay, like just from watching my videos, they like um, subconsciously go through, like run through a checklist of things. Okay, like mm. project, the team, the website, like, they go through all these things that are important and see if it's bullshit and i feel like if you watch my channel for a long period of time you get an idea of like what are the things to care about and what are the things that are important um and you just focus on those things and so the real interviews help a lot but as far as the space it just needs to mature in general it's just a bunch yeah. of bitches complaining and whining and you know the fact that we're seeing twitter spaces where we're like the only Twitter spaces that blow up and do really well, except for when there's massive news, it's basically just bullshit drama. And I'm like, okay, that means we're there's a lot of people who are bored, and then there's a lot of smaller Twitter spaces right now with like people who are building cool things and doing things and talking to cool people who are high level with high level conversations, and they're getting 35 to 100 people in their space versus the other ones that are getting 500 to 2,000 about total degeneracy. Absolutely rubbish. And so yeah, yeah it's total rubbish. Exactly. <laughs> I, I love the the. You know, you've said this a few times now where basically in your your uh, the work that you do with with NFT brands, you 4X win. You take one. Yeah, I was, was going to say that. That's like and, and win. That's, that's, a, that's a really cool way to, to approach something. And, and you can explain each of those layers of, of winning, which is exactly. uh, a beautiful. And I explain to there. them, and so they learn kind of the ins and outs. Like, oh, like this is how the funnel can work, like for them, because I'll explain it. Like when I'm when I'm making it for them, like here's how you can use this. You just run this ad here, and then they get to like win, and then they know more now, and they can do better. And I don't know. For me, like I know a lot of people say that like if everybody wins, I win, but like that's tr truly true in this space specifically because it's emerging. I'm like, you don't know who's going to be Amazon. 
Like, you don't know who is going to be Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. It might be that random 17-year-old founder that I just interacted with the other day, and I, you know, dig him seriously, and I wrote him off, and then he goes and becomes Elon Musk. And I'm like, fuck me. You know, so I try my best to keep it a, a blank slate every time, even if it's something where I, I see their project, it's, it looks like a standard copy and paste model of everything else I've seen. I always try and look for that it factor. And sometimes I'll find the it factor and they haven't even identified it. And I'm like, hey, here's the it factor. I'm like, this is lit. You guys should lead into this. Like there was one that they had all this crazy, awesome utility, but zero lore, zero brand. I was like, look, all the fundamentals are here, except for the fact that no one's going to play this game and no one's going to care about this brand because you haven't leaned into this. Now you have it. You just don't talk about it. And so they leaned into that and they were able to sell their collection because they leaned into that and they got people to buy into the buy into the idea. And then they got hit with all the stuff you get from the membership. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. I, I um just, you know, on the topic of, you know, this mass adoption and, and how new NFTs are and how kind of dead it is right now. If you look at the graph it, and, and it was like a heartbeat, you'd see that it's yeah. flatlined. Uh, and I have a, a in, in Vancouver, BC, where I'm based, um, there's a, a group called Odd Future, and they do a lot of work with brands to bring them into Web3. And Nick Lowe is the founder. He's just a brilliant guy. I went to one of his uh, pop-ups uh, for uh, an NFT project that she doesn't even call that. So kind of, you know, this will lead this will lead to a question for you, Cade, but I want to just give the background to yeah. it here. Artifact, uh, Starbucks, uh, um, Reddit, you know, they're, they're approaching, you know, some new meta here in terms of mm -hmm. NFTs by saying it's by basically like, you, you have to f try to find the word NFT anywhere. It's like yeah. not even NFT. They've just come up with different names. It's a journey token. It's a, you know, it's a run pass. It's, you know, for my, my friend who's doing his, his running club, it's a running club where, yep. um, you know, essentially you are using Strava. He's bootstrap bootstrapped Strava into the game so that he's using an existing app where people don't even realize that when they join the club, they've bought an NFT and it's, yep. and it's uh, in a non-custodial wallet. People have no idea. Um, and then eventually, you know, they start to realize, oh, my God, I'm on the blockchain and this has been tracked this way. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, Reddit and how, you know, this this mass adoption model has moved by, yeah. you know, basically people seeing I've got a huge user base. Reddit has something like five, 540 million users. Yeah. Now they, they eke in an NFT, but not calling it an NFT. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question and something I, I mean, I could talk about these things for like I said in that message I, I can go I can go on this episode also as long as you guys need but also I love just talking about this kind of thing um, yeah. And like I mentioned earlier about me always looking to the past and not wanting to go back there because of that Distaste for the past and me wanting to go into the future I am beyond interested in what happens and I'm beyond <laughs> interested in being here what happens and seeing it and be able to You know see where my channel goes and how I navigate those waves and, and do those things so I can't even wait for that I'm just excited. Like whenever I think about the future of, of NFTs and the metaverse, I think about the, the digital online communities and having a social identity that you fuck with and identify with and can represent yourself in the metaverse, which we're already in on our phone. Cause you know, I don't like, for example, I haven't gotten a haircut, even though I need one, I need to cut it here probably <laughs> because it looks better on camera when it's longer. Like it just looks better. But in normal life, when I'm not on a camera, the hair looks really long to a point where like, I just don't want it that long. And I just won't cut it though. Cause it, matters how i look online way more than it does in the street like i could give it i could give a shit what my corker thinks i look like or what random joe schmo <laughs> who's yelling about whatever he did yesterday on the street uh thinks about it. i just it doesn't matter so because of that i'm very aware of how digitally we think and live and with reddit reddit is is, is that exactly it is all of that on one app 
And so the Reddit thing, I've seen a few, I've, okay, I've seen everyone jump on the bandwagon, but I've only seen probably three or four people actually jump on the bandwagon uh, and who like started their own subreddit and actually spent time on Reddit and talked to people and figure out how to get karma, figure out what karma is and why karma exists and like how these things happen. Nobody else is doing it, bro. They're all on Twitter. They've got, they've already bought all their followers. So, you know, they got their followers last year, just doing a bunch of ways. It's fine. They're at 100K. They don't need to worry about it. They're like, I can just jump into Reddit. People will give me respect. They'll suck my dick like they do on Twitter. No problem. Now we saw Franklin Board get like deleted after fucking like one Reddit post because people just don't care. And I was like, okay, A, love that. It's because you got to earn yourself. You got to earn your way in again. And I like that idea because I can win. I can win that game. I've done that before. I'm like, I can do that. Uh, it's almost harder to break into the scene once it's there. But like, if you're there at ground zero, right. you, as long as you put out good stuff, like you, you can make an in for yourself. So anyways, the Reddit idea I love. And, you know, because of the way I've posted videos and I've really, really tried to stay away from degenerate content, I've really kept my, not my, my brand's not clean, I would say, but it's more like, I don't that's not the right word. I would say like my brand is uh, nicely packaged for a business rather than nicely packaged for Adesion to come into my channel. Adesion will learn stuff, but they're not going to get the top five NFTs from me. Like I don't post, I don't even know what's going on in NFT land as far yeah. as that. Like yeah. I don't know which part, I know, I know which projects are popping just in general because they're super hyped, but like everyone else is already making that video. This is what's the point of me making the same video. Right. It doesn't like help me in any way. So all my videos are packaged to be educational focused for business owners. Like my goal is to get Starbucks or someone to reach out. Right. And so I've had some of those conversations with some of the, the bigger companies coming in that are now going to leverage their audience in the web two world and say, okay, how do we blend your weird web three world and our world and make money and build a brand and tokenize our membership and figure out a way where people aren't going to think we're, we're making a scam. Like that's the scariest thing. Like it's a couple um, fashion brands I've been talking to, and they're like, "Yeah, we 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 love the idea and we want to do this." And other companies have done it. Like we've seen other big luxury brands, you know, hop in the space. But we're just trying to figure out a way where it doesn't burn our image and people don't look at us and write us off. And I was like, "Look, a you're gonna lose part of your audience no matter what. They're already gonna hate you. But who gives a fuck about them anyway? Do you want people who are gonna judge?" <laughs> judge one thing you did like i do get the fuck out of my community anyway like, i don't want you like my discord if, if there's people complaining about bullshit I'm like dude just get out like, I, I don't care yeah. i don't need you i don't yeah. want that kind of person in here i want someone who's not going to judge some little thing and jump to like 25 conclusions and now base their whole life on like one article they read that they didn't even research and so i would say for them like you're going to lose part of your audience because of that uh and then the rest of them you're gonna have to figure out ways to like insert yourself in the community and really represent your brands in a way where people don't think you're an asshole. If you come in and, you know, for example, if, if Gucci came into a Twitter space with X content creator on Twitter and the Gucci guy comes in and just like talks to everybody, you know, because he's, you know, he's been in this space for so long as an industry leader in fashion. And then everyone like in the Twitter space is Web3 native. They don't give a fuck. I mean, it's cool, <laughs> but they're like, dude, if you're going to sound like a dickhead, I don't care. Like we, we just don't care about that kind of thing. We're just trying to make a bag off them typically, right? And so because of that, there's just ways to set yourself up and have other people perceive you that will really, really help you. And so NFTs right now, you're right. They're not in the conversation. They don't really want to acknowledge them because you can't, it's almost impossible to, to rip apart the identity of NFT tied to a random monkey JPEG thing that makes me money, you know? And if you can get rid of the yeah. part that makes me money, you can keep the part about the random J JPEG monkey thing, because that's fine. That can just be the representative of the token that you bought, the NFT. But when you tie yeah. it to like, it brings me money. That's where the problem is because the basis of the NFT technology is not to make you money. It's to just replace like Patreon and to give you the NFT as your membership token. Now you're in there and you bought the token because you wanted to be there. You wanted to be there. That's why you bought the token. You didn't buy the token to go and flip it later. So if you can change the narrative to be that way and line it up and have everyone who buys your NFT know that going in, then you can have a situation like I have with my own brand, which I'm really glad I have now. Like I dropped my photography sets that, you know, documented that whole joy age, that a whole trip for me. 
And because those NFT collections were dropped over a year ago in the summer, and how I said Alex Becker had shilled a photographer, that photographer blew up, and that's the photographer for Black and White Nights, one of the top projects for photography. That artist, the, that photographer bought my photography, blew me up off that, and that's, that's how I initially cool. got my first like 10 people into my Discord, first couple hundred followers. And so because of that, I started the NFT journey in that sense. And then after a few months, I started doing YouTube and said, okay, now I can make these NFTs something cool. There's only like 40 of them. This is cool. Right. It's like an opportunity to have like a V friends, but at like a level one and or not level one, um, a smaller supply by like nine, yeah. like, you know, they have like 10,000, I have 40. So I'm like, that can actually <laughs> do something really cool here. Like if I really end up being Joe Rogan, the amount of benefits that I can drive through partnerships and stuff like that. Like I love Celsius. I love drinking Celsius energy. I don't know why. I just really like it. I'm like, I think I could land some kind of sponsor like that. And like everyone in my token or in my community can have access to something or they get free Celsius, whatever, things like that, you know, especially in media right. and in this industry, there's lots of money here. So I'm like, I just want to be able to drive that value to them. And the thing is when everyone, when I communicated that with them and I made a video about my NFT collection, like here's what it is before people bought in and the price was really cheap. It was like a hundred bucks, 75 bucks. And I said, Hey, if you're going to buy this, this is what it is. It's going to be a 20 to 50 year vision. Like Rogan's 50 something mm. and he's now at the top of his game. I'm 24. Like give me yeah. 30 years, please. I, I'm going to need 30 years. Same with Gary Vee. He asked for years. He said, buy this NFT and give me your time and patience. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to win. And now I partner with Toys R Us and Macy's. Right. And so, yeah. so that's how I look at my, my brand. And if, if bigger brands can adopt that mindset and that mentality and drive that out as the narrative of why you want to join here, you should only be joining for the Gucci NFT. If you already buy Gucci clothes and you want to have access to our limited edition drop we're doing with X company later this year. That's what you get with this NFT. And people don't buy because they want to flip. They buy because they want that access token. So if you can change the narrative to that, I think that really helps a lot of people. And that's where the that's where the companies are at, or that's where I'm trying to get them to. They're almost there, but that's where they're thinking. It's like the 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 framework they're looking at. So amazing. Wow. That's really cool. I think, uh, you know, my, in my own brain and my own journey in the NFT space, I'm, I'm kind of at that precipice where I'm like, do we need to like distance ourselves from the word, the name, the mm -hmm. stigma of NFT, or is that, do we double down on that as like the culture and the, the dirt and the guts and the drama oh, and all the oh. weird shit that is sort of created this subculture that I think kind of oh. reminds me a little bit of the skateboard culture back in the day. And you know, the art that's there and sort of all of these really immature sort of shills and ideas. Yeah. It's just for the art and no roadmap and, you know, all the gross <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm like, do I embrace that and, and bring that in? And then, no, that's not really going to do the mass adoption, but it's also kind of like a war story. And then when mass adoption starts to come in and people kind of, you know, don't have great long-term memories, they're like, oh, I remember that crazy shit with the monkeys. That's pretty cool. That that's cloud yeah. that brings sort of va validates that person was there through that sort of crazy frenetic period. Right. But let's we're not we're not call it at NFTs anymore. Now it's you know basically just an access pass to a, a decentralized community yeah. that's gonna kind of push back on the big you know metas and all these massive companies out there that have, that have held you know everyone's bag in their fucking hands for so long. Now now we got a different journey. That's a yeah. five ten year play. You know that's where we're that's where we're headed. And if you have the right communication, your fans, your community will be okay with that. Like if you tell them, hey, like yep. for example, I just interviewed Minnie from uh, she's the founder of Zenape. They were a massive project back in the bull run. They were um, one of the first Kong tanks NFT for if you remember Cyber Kongs yeah. back then. Yeah. So they're oh, a project absolutely. that came from them. And I asked her, we were just talking about it, right? And she was just had she was like, we're having a really tough time because we launched so long ago. There's been so many projects and most people just like don't even know what's going on. Not because they don't care. They just like have so many other things happening. They don't even know that they should be caring. 
And she was like, yeah, well, there's like things we're delivering on in the roadmap that like are not relevant anymore, but people still want them because they're technically on the roadmap. And she's like, they're excited because it might drive the floor price, but it's not. It's not going to happen. We're going to yeah. finally deliver this thing they've all been asking for. And within 24 hours, they're all going to say, hey, why'd you waste your money and time doing this? It was a stupid thing to do. She goes, <laughs> and I can't help it. And I was like, see, that's that's too bad. Because if you hadn't like promised that, you could just do whatever you want. You'd be like, okay, like, we have this much money. This is where NFTs are now. Like, This is where we want to spend our money. What do you guys think? And like, okay, like here's why we're doing it. And if it's a mature community, the right kind of people that you attracted, and you did the proper type of marketing and didn't just pay for promos and like, you know, buy your followers and buy your giveaways, then you'll have like a fairly diversified, educated audience and they yeah. won't be a bunch of DGENs. And then you can finally start to build out something. But the thing is, they were gen one. They were like round one, round two of NFT projects. At that point, they didn't know what it was going to be. It was just buy these pictures because you want to be in this community. And if that's what it was in the beginning, it's almost weird now that we're asking those same companies to now be something else. Like now have a product. It's yeah. like, well, you originally bought because of this. Like it's not te technically fair to now ask this other thing, right? And that's yeah. like, it's kind of a problem because there's no written contract. There's no, hey, this is exactly what's going to happen. And that, that's what you should do if you're like getting on a team or a company when you when you sign with them. Like, hey, make sure that you outline exactly what is expected of you for the compensation you're getting. And if they start to yeah. say, hey, we want this and this and this, say, okay, totally fine. What are you paying me? You know, and yeah. uh, get what you deserve. And so with that kind of thing, like it's all about the communication and it's huge. And not enough founders do it. And that's why a big reason I did the podcast. So it gives them an opportunity, helps me out, uh, but also helps them. I'm like, they get to go on, have a good show. Um, they don't have to show prepared. They don't have to know who I am. I'm just going to run the show, ask some cool questions, connect. I, I want, like, my goal is to have their community be like, damn, they're cool as fuck. I didn't realize how cool they were. And then the new <laughs> people to be like, that, that was cool as fuck. That was a great conversation. I want to see another one. Like, you should interview this guy or this girl. And so that's kind of the goal is like for everybody to win because it, it truly does help everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. been, uh, and I'll the next question over to Leon, but that's been our journey. Leon and found me on TikTok, and nice. we just started interviewing people and we've been having such a blast and we've met the, the most amazing people out there. So over yeah. to your next question there, Leon. Yeah. I was just going to carry on with uh, Kane's point there. It's more like, I think for the entire space to involve, it's just the audience. It's just like the space in general, everyone's so used to like following these trends and it's so hard to skip from one trend to another without buying like these fake followers like goblin town for example they started the entire freeman freeman absolute terror and it's just the audience that's in the nft space at the minute isn't mature enough to realize everyone knows that like i don't want these freemans we want the space to move like you know into this new evolution but no one's actually doing it everyone's saying this oh yeah we need this to happen this to happen but everyone's sat there doing absolutely nothing. Oh, three minutes, I'm going to go for that. Like the next day. Right. So from one day, they're like, oh yeah, we need to do this, this, and this. And the other day, you're like, oh, there you go. There's a there's a naked goblin. Let me yeah. go buy it for like $2,000. Like, well, it's, like, really it's like having this, this dream. It's like having this dream buy that you want, but then always having snacks in your house. Like you're never yeah, going to yeah, get yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You're just yeah, always exactly. going to eat the so extra 500 calories. So it's just circles. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, but going back to Reddit and uh, mass adoption, do you think yeah. that's key for moving forward? Like, most of these uh, big brands now, they're trying to move into the NFT, NFT space without saying the word NFT, like Tyler was saying. And I think that's key because the NFT 
NFT term has been given such a terrible name. Like if you say NFTs to anyone straight away, it's yeah. Oh, is it those monkey pictures or whatever? Or is it like yeah? Those, it's those, a transitional period, things. I think. I do I do both. Yeah. So like there, there's some where I feed into the algorithm. I know if I title something stupid like NFT project is a dud or NFT pro- NFTs de- are dead. You know if I title it that, they'll probably click on it because they want to mm. clown on everybody else too. And then in that video, I hit them with some more facts that are not anything to do with that. It's I mean it, <laughs> it has to do with that, but it's not quite how they were going to go into it. And I try and educate and open their mind up or i'll bring an example of something where like clearly this is not a scam because why would japan completely dedicate themselves in that why would facebook reinvent everything from their brand from the ground up why would adidas come in why would disney come in why would nike come in yeah. all these massive companies with the smartest people in the world like like you can't you can't just sit here and say oh that's stupid like no no, no. disney adidas nike like, what are you talking about? These are the, and like, you know, the, uh, what's his name? The prime minister for like the UK, I think is like a big fan of crypto. I'm like, guys, yeah, there's yeah. too many people with tons of money and tons of like motive and desire to like push this thing. And we're in a world right now where the, the world, not just this crypto finance world, the world right now wants more transparency and wants more, like, I guess the best words like democracy or something like where there's more power to the people kind of thing. Right. So all the social media is because they realized after a certain while, especially with COVID, the employers, right. Are like shit. The employees uh, and like the creators and people have a little bit more power than we thought. If if uh, yeah. if we as YouTube want to be the number one, uh, don't start to prioritize these people. Um, but if we if, if YouTube doesn't prioritize the people and they start losing fans to to TikTok, then like, like they will lose. So they can't lose. So okay, what can we do to incentivize people to post on YouTube? Okay, we'll monetize shorts. We'll do this. We'll offer this other thing. We'll we'll boost it so that more people can get more views. So more people use our stuff. And because of that, I think everyone's moving that direction. People want more decentralization. We're seeing more examples of banks just sucking. And we're like, we don't want that. But then we also don't want the the, the other side, which is like total control, where, you know, like I said, you connect your wallet and you lose uh, a very expensive NFT that you own. <laughs> That's also sucky too. So there's got to be an in-between. We're realized that the answer has always been Web 2.5. It's always been, uh, and whatever yeah. that will turn to later. But like, there's got to be a balance of centralization. You can't have a fully run DAO by random ass people and expect anything good to happen. I'm like, that's not how anything works. Nothing ever gets done. If there's not a captain of the kickball team, no one will ever pick teams. And it'll just be a bunch of people standing around hoping someone gets picked by a non-leader. And it's just not going to happen. You know, so yeah. I, I think it's got to be, and that's that goes all that all the way back to accountability how we talked about earlier. It's about people stepping up and doing those things. And people like Llama and Champ, who are people with a ton of followers in the space, who it, even if even if they weren't doing the things that they're talking about, at least opening up that idea and thought process for other people too is really helpful. So communicating that they want to do it, here's the things we need to work on and having more relevant and educated spaces, talking to people who have done things. Like it's really cool when you talk to a Web2 company who's successful, proven themselves and they're interested in Web3 and they're coming in humbly and they're like, here, I'm here to learn too. And that kind of like, it's good. And I think more things like that uh, are really helpful. I um, mean, as far as the future of the metaverse, I just... I just don't see a world where we're not more digital. It doesn't even make sense. I mean, we're already moving in that direction. So if the world's more digital, it makes sense that finance to be digital. And it doesn't have to be Bitcoin or anything like it might be some USD coin that the government puts up. But either right. way, mm-hmm. it'll be online. And there's opportunities everywhere when there's anything new, always. There's always opportunities to talk about anything. You know, you can be some random 15-year-old kid and make a cool video that breaks it down. Next thing you know, the company reaches out and they want to bring you on board as a team member. Like that's just the power of social yeah. media. And so I think leading into all those things and all of it's digital. So. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, so one last question, and then yeah. we'll leave it with uh, the last question that we ask everyone. Um, this is going back. This is a bit of a light-hearted question. Um, going back to the podcasts, um, out of all the podcasts you've done, um, you've done quite a few. Who's been who's been your favorite? Who's been the most interesting oh one to interview? God. Wait, let me let me. Can you can you name one? Here. Can you give us one? Let's see. Um, I have it's a playlist here, so I can just run through it. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. I don't want to like leave anyone out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's see. Podcast. Here we go. You're gonna be scrolling for a while. <laughs> no, no, there's not. There's not too many. I'll, I'll be able to remember like the big ones. Um, so your question, what was specifically the question? The the one I uh, liked the just, most. Who's, who's been, the yeah, done? who's been your favorite and like who's been the most interesting? I guess. Oh man, we better yeah. be top five. Yeah, I may, I may have to give you like a, a few people. So like kosher plugs was really. We went way deeper yep. than I thought. We talked about some really cool stuff. So kosher's mm. episode was really good. Um, he's another NFT YouTuber. Um, we talked to Ray Did we talk to kosher? We we uh, I don't know. I don't know if we did or not. I can't remember. I don't, I don't pasta, think so. NFT pasta. If you guys know him, we did yeah, a yeah, yeah. fucking that was one of the four hour podcasts. We just oh, talked really? about Jesus. everything, dude. Literally everything. So definitely like th- those were really, really awesome uh for me, uh, for sure. And then I don't know, man. The, I feel like the doodles one was probably one of my favorites because it was so early. It was very early in my in my journey, and I got them like kind of right before their initial hype. And so that was like one of my first big ones. Uh, I mean, there's a few here, definitely like Champ, the Volturo podcast, like Anonymous. And then my final oh, one, this will be my last one, was probably the one with, uh, so the, there was the former CEO of Bungie Project, which is a big art project that I like, um, and I, I have their NFT, and I love them. And Greg Norman was the very first person. He's a super high-level entrepreneur, super high-level business owner, business builder. And yeah. when I interviewed him, I remember the whole game changed. That was like my, one of the, turning points of my brand when i realized that there's a different game i could be playing here like he's a very legit business guy from the web 2 world and he understands what three to a t and that's why he crushed it as a ceo of a few different projects and got them to do their thing right and i just the way he spoke about things just really really opened up that business side of me and i was like yeah. fuck like, that was cool i want to be in that kind of like i don't know what that was but i liked that energy and so that really changed the game i was like oh maybe business is like maybe nft projects are businesses and this was really early on this was like right when people started thinking about that they're like wait yeah nft projects are kind of businesses and i got that same like uh memo basically right at the same time so i was like holy shit they are and that's when i started making that kind of content which attracted so many other nft project founders because of that one interview i had with him and the way it changed my mindset towards things and he's been a, a great friend every time i reach out with something he's always there to answer questions he's just so experienced in that world awesome. and so he's been he's been uh really really helpful for me so yeah, but I've had so many guests. It, it's really hard to pin it down. There's a ton of other people that I didn't uh, even mention that were great conversations as well. And man, it's just been it's been a wild ride interviewing all those people. Yeah, hopefully uh, we're slowly getting there. We started off with like <laughs> we were just going to do like crypto NFT people, but then we started doing like businessy, then trading. We're just going to yeah. do the entire thing. I think do slowly it, get there. We we did like one to two a week for like what <laughs> is like a solid like two months. That's then, right. Like, I launched a few things. Tyler was really busy. So this is, uh, we had one last week and we've got this one now. So we're back on the grind. Hell one yeah. a week minimum. That's, we're back. Uh, we're back. Let's go. Yeah, Spotty uh, Wi-Fi. That was a really fun yeah, one. Yeah, Spotty right? Wi-Fi. That was a really fun one. Yeah, he's like a crypto punk rapper. That was nice. really, really fun. Um, Hell yeah. But yeah, uh, finishing off with the last question. This is like the last question that we ask everyone. Um, but going back in time to the very start of your NFT journey, what is one thing or piece of advice you would have told yourself or is there anything you would have done differently? Hmm. I would like start by making, 
Yeah, I, I would have started making uh, content a little bit earlier, and I would have mm -hmm. also participated in a little bit more DGen videos, more than I did, which was zero. I posted, I would say out of 100 videos, one of them was an NFT, like DGen style video. And I think there's a, a game to be played for the attention side, which is like, when you have 100,000 followers on Twitter, it looks a lot better and a lot easier for other oh, yeah, people yeah, to take you seriously just because of that first initial, like, oh my God, 100K. So I wish I played that game a little bit more just because of the numbers game that, that helps you. It hasn't affected me that much. I've still landed the, the coolest podcast and connected with the coolest people without it. But it, I mean, it wouldn't have hurt. So I think, you know, making one of those, I think I was trying to be like self-righteous and like ego was like big in there. I was like, I don't need that kind of video. <laughs> I, can, I can make it on my own. But like, I, I should have played the game a little bit. And then when I got into the Ugaverse team as a team member, and I was doing some of the alpha videos, I was helping their Discord and stuff like that. And doing some of the things I did in their team, I was like, man, I could have done that for probably like five other projects. And made yeah. like $20,000 a month or something, way more than I was making. And I just didn't think about it because I was, I think it was so new. So at that period though, I don't know if I would have been ready for anything like that. I think I was just so brand new, just really excited to be there. I was still really, really early. You know, I didn't have a lot of followers, still had like a few hundred on Twitter. And um, it was just it was slow growth. But I, I mean, I don't know. I've always had that belief of, I heard uh, Iman Ghazi says in podcast, he always knew he'd be rich, and he's like very rich. Um, I never had that inkling. I just knew that in some capacity that I would be uh, remembered, I guess, and not not after death. I don't particularly care what happens after I die, but as far as like, I guess famous would be the closest word. I always knew that I would have some level of fame because I'm obsessed with it. And like, I don't know if richness is tied to it, but I knew I would become a someone within an industry yep. and it was it became because like i didn't have that like growing up i was like like i said bottom of the totem pole so because i lacked all that attention and when i walked into a room nobody batted an eye or even glanced in my direction so because of that i was like fuck all of you guys i'll be famous and i'll like win everything <laughs> and like you guys will all yeah it's like they came from that for a long long time and i'm sure part of it's still that uh, now it's just a little bit more fun and that is like not as much of like a pain desperation thing but now i'm like i'm in and i'm like excited to be here too so it all kind of adds in um but but yeah yeah, that's, that's similar to us, like uh, with our group, MCR Trading. It's just like a group of traders, basically, where we teach people how to trade for free. Um, yeah, but awesome. we messed out on the entire hype, like the NFT hype. Yeah. Like we were mainly focused on trading, like, you know what, NFTs are doing well. And then we joined literally like beginning of this year. But by that yeah. time, all these projects and like these alpha groups and stuff already had like 100K followers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we were so late to the trend. <laughs> I missed out all these like random NFT people. You go on every single person's account who says like oh nft content creator or just like nft people yeah. they all have like 5k followers 10k 20k followers missed out on it all extremely sad but i'm here for the bull run here for the next big thing hopefully there's something on top of nfts that i can just go you know oh, what? Yeah. boom straight into it i'm grabbing all the followers i know it's selfish but like all those people who are sat there now all these like not project but like these big uh, communities who are sat there on like 80k followers 200k yeah. followers like give it five years looking back on that now. And like, if I go onto like someone's Twitter and see that they're verified with like 300K followers, it's like, damn, okay, right. The yeah. amount of like uh, opportunities they probably get compared to like us. Like with, uh, this is very, very basic, but like doing like the whitelist giveaway stuff with NFT projects. When you go to like uh, projects to collab, cause I do this a lot for our like our community, straight, all they look, look at is Twitter followers. That's Always. it. If, that's literally it and we only have like a thousand followers um yeah. so they instantly go to our twitter they don't go to our community our youtube our instagram anything instantly mm -hmm. to twitter thousand followers no sorry you can't do that 
Yeah. But like if we would have yes, joined sir. the space a few months early and just hosted like a bunch of whitelist yeah. crappy giveaways and farm followers for a few months, yeah. sat on like 80k That's followers, tough. we could have got any collaboration in the world. We would have been living life yeah. right now. Well, because it adds to your, because then world. it becomes like an addition to your brand. You're like, oh, not only does he post good content, he also has 80,000 followers. Like yeah, that's Primax. Yeah, exactly, I'm yeah. like, fuck me. Like now I have all the good content. People approach me because they like the content. And if I also had 20,000 subscribers and 80,000 followers, that would help me tremendously. I could charge Massive. way more for, for one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But also it's just that narrative. They're like, oh, that's that guy who has a ton of followers and he also posts great content and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it is tough. I, I feel your pain there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just subscribed um, to all your channels. And I think one of the things you. we can take solace in is that the three of us here and, and in this space right now, we all get to hear the, the final sort of, death wheeze of the nft space <laughs> listen to that wheeze and then and then now we're we're a part of a new new journey uh, oh, yeah. and i will say out of the folks uh leon uh and i have interviewed dude your energy is amazing you're super knowledgeable you're humble you've Thank got you. humility um so i'm i'm gonna uh, watch watch you blow up man this is gonna be really exciting to watch you do your thing so i, I, I want to express you, great gratitude i appreciate for that jumping on and, and and hearing hearing about you and meeting you and talking to you. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank, and yeah, thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, guys. I had um, a great time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Amazing. That's it. We'll end it there. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Oh yeah, baby. That was great. Hell yeah, man.